Hey, welcome to the Life with Lauren podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Arrow, and I'm here to talk all things beauty, wellness, and real life. No topic is off limits. We're going to cover it all. I'm so happy you're here with me. Thank you for listening. I am so excited for this week's guest because it's my sister, Diana. She's four years older than me. She's a labor and delivery nurse. She has two kids, and she... I mean, she's just the best, but she moved to Tennessee. So we're going to talk about leaving California, why she left California, some things she's learned being a labor and delivery nurse. She has this really cool method that helps make it a little bit easier for people, I guess you could say. So um, yeah, she's not really online at all. So I have nothing to link. If you want to follow her, you can't. If you live in Knoxville, maybe you'll see her around but hi I'm so excited you're here I'm excited to be here this is fun and different yes this is very different for you that's true (laughs) I'm I am not the out there personal you know it's display everything kind of person but no I'm excited that you are that way I can keep up with you (laughs) except you deleted Instagram you're not on TikTok and you don't listen to podcasts well, I do listen to podcasts. Oh, you do? I do. Red Pilled America is amazing. Oh, okay. Uh, highly recommend them. Join their backstage subscriber and support them because they're just fun to listen to and they're very informative. Um, Candace Owens, of course. Oh, yeah. I like Candace. She really pisses people off, though. <laughs> I think that's why I might like her. <laughs> she did do her first new podcast. Her first one was about labor and delivery and her delivering her first child here in Nashville. And I was really angry for her. She did not have a good experience. And that was really hard to listen to as a labor nurse. Mm. Where did she deliver? Did she say? She didn't say. Mm. That's interesting because, well, I mean, you've talked about how healthcare is different in California to Tennessee. I know you said you didn't really want to talk about it on the podcast, but it's, we're going to just start with that, I guess. <laughs> It, it is different. Um, uh, well, like the ratio for like patient to nurse. I mean, that in California, they have a cap, don't they? They do. So in California, um, general nursing, med surge nursing for layman's terms, if grandma gets pneumonia and has to go to the hospital, she would go to a med surge floor. Um, not so serious, but sick enough to have to be in the hospital. Um, they... In California, the cap is five patients for one nurse. Mm-hmm. And then that's the highest, and it goes down from there, depending on, like, if you're in a step-down unit, then it's three patients, and if you're in the ICU, it's two patients. If you're labor and delivery, it's two patients. Oh, wow. Usually... That's in- the cap? Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're working a shift, you only have two patients that whole time? Yes. Wow. The union's very strong on that, and so there's a big California nurses union that... It was great to be a nurse for, it's just hard to be a Republican nurse in California and have to pay union dues to then have them vote a different way that you would vote. Mm. So it's, I can definitely see how there would be a, a pro and con to unions. I don't, I don't see any unions out here in Tennessee. Oh, there's no unions? Not that I, I heard there's one at one of the hospitals in Knoxville. But I, I don't know how strong they are. They're probably definitely not as strong as the ones in California that get you the $60 an hour pay plus 
only five patients Mm -hmm. if you're in med surge. Is 60 the norm? Like, is that like base rate in California? It's hard to say. I want to say maybe not. Maybe probably the norm base rate would be 50, at least in San Diego, where Mm -hmm. I nursed. When I was a new grad in 2009, I started at 30. Mm -hmm. And then I just went up from there. I've been nursing now for, God, how long ago was that? Is that 14? Jeez, <laughs> so long. Wow. Um, but when, yes, when I left, I was making $60 an hour. And then we decided to move. I scoped out a job first. I talked to the manager of the unit. She sounded great. I got to talk to HR. The HR guys said, okay, and your pay rate will be $30 an hour. Oof. And I, I choked. <laughs> and I... I literally told him, I am not a new grad. (laughs) And he says, no, ma'am, that's not new grad pay. New grad pay here is $18 an hour. Wow. Yeah. That's so hard. Also, the other thing I noticed when I became a nurse here was that in California, you say you're a nurse and I I don't want to sound like I'm full of myself, but I loved how people would just ooh and awe over that. Oh my gosh. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, you guys are angels. Mm-hmm. Like I loved it. It made me feel great. Here you say you're a nurse and people are like, so? Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's like no different than the person bagging your groceries. Wow. Even during COVID. Well, I guess you came at the end of COVID. Yeah, I came at the end. But also, I think, <laughs> I mean, in my experience in the nurses that I worked with, sometimes they're so mean to me here. Like, I had a really bad experience when I was miscarrying with my nurse, or I think she was a nurse. I don't know. Whoever, like, checks you into the office first, she was so rude to me. It makes me so mad for you. I'm so sorry. I just don't go to the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the way my, the way I'm seeing things and the way that I'm going, you know, you asked me in 2019, I was a completely different mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, Why would you not go to the doctor? Why would you not get all the vaccinations? Why would you not do everything your doctor's telling you to do? And I'm definitely not that way now. Mm-mm. And so being a nurse with this mindset is a, a bit of a challenge. Luckily, I found a really great unit that is much more holistic, and I'm able to practice a nursing care that I feel very comfortable with. Is the first hospital you came to... So how many patients would you have at a time? Like what was the most you had? Well, so labor and delivery here, they're still pretty good at doing no more than two patients. Oh. The first, for labor and delivery. Um, The first place I was working at, I was very busy. It's two patients. They're both getting lots of medication. You're bouncing between the rooms and then trying to chart and then room chart, room chart, room chart. I really wasn't able to get as much of a connection as I would like to with my patients because I'm, I'm a hands-on nurse. I really, I became a nurse because I love people mm-hmm. and I wasn't. That's where we're different. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't able to make the connections that I was back at my San Diego nursing job. But so do they have more medications at that hospital than they did in San Diego? Like they were giving more? Yes. It, I mean, it's Pitocin. So they were given the same medication. Just what, what's they were, Pitocin? So Is that to make you go into labor? It's to 
create contractions. Mm. Yes. So at the hospital that I was at first, they would put you on Pitocin when you came in and just ramped it up. So your contractions would be really strong and really fast and just you would have a baby because you are expelling the baby out of the uterus with this. Where I'm at now, and which is very similar to where I was in San Diego, we were more focused on the body expelling the baby, your body doing what's naturally supposed to do. If it doesn't, then we are much more gentle with the Pitocin and we are able to, I'm able to be in my patient's room and do the body positions that really help facilitate the baby for coming out much better. So yeah, she switched hospitals after how long did you work at the first one? October, November, December, January, five months. She was there five months, but at your hospital in San Diego, you were there for so long. Like she's not a job hopper. So you know, that must not have been a great situation if Diana left the job. (laughs) Well, it's funny. I remember asking my preceptor when I was at that first hospital here in Tennessee. And I said, tell me about the other labor and delivery units in the area. Just because it's good to know. The hospital that I was at first, we, they were a low risk hospital. So if you have anything major going on, you wouldn't be going to this hospital. This hospital is for healthy women. And so my preceptor was telling me, she said, well, there's, we're low risk. There's, you know, the main hospital with University of Tennessee, which is high risk. If you have like major issues, you go there. Um, named off a couple other hospitals. And then she goes, oh, and then there's this one crunchy hospital. Crunchy? That people, they don't even vaccinate their babies. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you wouldn't say. What is it called? And so now I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> so you told me something that scared the crap out of me because when I was pregnant and like, I actually always thought I would get a C-section and then just get liposuction at the same time. Like, I, I have no clue about this stuff. But my whole, like, I would say my whole life up to probably 28, if I had a baby, that was my plan. <laughs> I, obviously, you can't do that. But you told me that the doctors would induce labor so that they could be off by five. Like, they didn't want to be called back in. And so they would try to get everyone or they would do C-sections. Well, unofficial. I've seen that happen, and it makes me very upset. What? what, The C-section thing? Right. That, oh, well, you know, you're not as far along as you should be. Uh, I don't think this baby's going to come, so we should probably do a C-section. And and then the C-section happens at 5, doctor's out by 6, and at, at night. And the patient now has a C-section recovery rather than a vaginal recovery. Just because they didn't want to wait or get called back. Well, I can't say that officially. Okay, unofficially, we won't say names, but just know that that might be a thing. So if you guys are pregnant, maybe ask your doctor and make it very clear that you don't want one unless you absolutely need one if you don't want one. So, but this is also coming from me who's had two C-sections and I wanted a C-section. I am a C-section baby. My husband is a C-section baby. Mm -hmm. I have seen scary things in labor and delivery. Now, this is before I knew about the body positions and how to rotate the baby while in the pelvis to have a really beautiful, easy vaginal delivery. 
I didn't know anything about that. Now, granted, the midwives I was working with were trying to get my mindset around that, but it wasn't fully in my practice yet. So I didn't believe them. <laughs> and it's scary. I mean, I do this for a living and I was terrified. I was pregnant with Gwen and <clears throat> I, I didn't want to have a vaginal delivery. And I didn't want to have a C-section. So I basically told her, I was like, you can stay in and I will take you to college. You can just stay in my belly. I will, we will go to college together and that's fine because my teleportation machine is not up and running. So, <laughs> uh, no, my C-sections were beautiful. Gwen ended up being a C-section after a trial of labor. Uh, my cervix wouldn't dilate. Now, knowing what I know, she was in the wrong position in the sense of she was head down, but her head was not pressed against the cervix causing the cervix to dilate. Mm -hmm. So if I would have done the body positions, I probably would have had a very wonderful vaginal delivery. Because she was ready. She just wasn't down far enough. I mean, she was 41 freaking weeks. Yes. So why did you go in? Did you start, did your water break? No, I was in labor. I was contracting for four days. Oh, God. If I don't remember this at all, but I did get a speeding <laughs> ticket when I was driving to meet her at the hospital. You did? I didn't know that. I did. My last speeding ticket. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> yeah. I have a wild birth story. I love my birth story. Do you want to hear my birth story? I guess. Do I? She tells me the craziest stuff, like things you never wanted to know about labor and delivery. Like I know way too much, which is probably why I don't really want kids. Oh, I hope I'm not the reason you don't want to have kids. You're not. Okay. There's other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to start from the beginning then. But this is the down and dirty quick version. So Jesse and I got married and we decided to have kids right away. And... I knew I didn't want a vaginal delivery because I just had a run of fourth degrees, which is the worst of the tears. And I was like, I don't want to do that. And there's one doctor at Scripps Encinitas who is amazing with his C-sections. So I went to him, Dr. Mazinski. He's phenomenal. Sadly, he's not practicing anymore, but he was great. Mm. Started seeing him. Things were great. Told him I want a C-section on my first appointment. He said, that's fine. Her due date was 10-10, so, or 10-11, so she was going to be born on 10-10. That was the date of my C-section. Things are going real well. We get to 20 weeks. He does my 20-week ultrasound and then drops the bomb of, oh, by the way, I'm quitting practice. I was like, what? No. No, you are not. Who am I supposed to go to? Because the way he does C-sections is he leaves the uterus in your abdominal cavity. As opposed to... Um, a lot of doctors take the uterus out to check to make sure there's no issues with the uterus. There's no holes. There's no, like, it's just easier for them to see everything. Oh. Leaving it in is actually kind of riskier. But for my recoveries, the doctors that left it in, my patients had a beautiful recovery. And the doctors that took it out, those patients, a lot of them got real nauseous. So they have just a rougher recovery. Mm. So I wanted him to leave it in. There's only one other doctor that does that, and I did not care for that doctor. He was not kind to nurses. It, he was pompous. Anyway, um, so I chose another doctor, and she was wonderful, but she is a vaginal doctor. So I'm like, okay, Jesse, we're doing this. So I brought him to the classes, and then Jesse, at the like labor classes, probably within the first 10 minutes, he goes, my wife's a labor nurse, and the poor instructor got mm -hmm. all like flustered. <laughs> Is that, am I telling this right, Diana? Uh -huh. It's okay. Pretend I don't know anything. Okay. 
How about this, Diana? Is this okay? <laughs> Jesse. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, Gwen was breached. She flipped a breach. So the, which means her head was up and her bottom was down. And my doctor at that time was just like, well, if she doesn't flip, I guess we're going to have to do a C-section. But I kind of didn't want her to do a C-section because she doesn't do them the way that I want her to do them. Mm. So we were in Cabo. I was super freaking pregnant. And um, I guess just being in the water or something. But I remember afterwards, we got out of the pool. We took a nap. I was spooning Jesse, my big old belly. And all of a sudden, they felt like, blah, this big, huge movement in my stomach. Jesse turns around. He's like, what was that? I was like, I think that means that we have to have a vaginal delivery. <laughs> oh, my God. So we continued on, got all prepared. My due date came and went, and she's still inside. I started having contractions. I mean, they were like a 4 out of 10 pain. I can deal with them, but they weren't comfortable. Mm-hmm. I went in when they were five minutes apart. My cervix is closed thick and high. Now I'm like 40 weeks and like four days. So like, do you want to be induced? Nope. So we went to mom and dad's house because they live close to the hospital and fell asleep, woke up. They had gone away. We went back home to Ramona. They started up again that night, waited, got to five minutes apart, drove 45 minutes to the hospital, closed thick and high still. Do you want to be induced? Nope. Went back home. Third night, contractions were now two minutes apart. Still like a four out of 10 pain, but not comfortable. Drive in. I was half a centimeter dilated. Half. Now I'm 41 weeks. But Gwen had a deceleration. So the doc that was on, she's like, well, let's do a Foley bulb. So I got experience a Foley bulb. I do those on a lot of my patients. What is that? It's a, essentially a water balloon attached to a tube. It's used to go into the bladder to drain urine out of people for surgeries or other medic reasons that they need. But in labor and delivery, you can put the tube up, inflate the balloon, then pull on the tube, and it mechanically opens the cervix. Oh, my God. It it felt like a poorly placed tampon. Oh. Like it caused cramping, and then a contraction would hit. Like it wasn't my favorite, but it wasn't horrible. Anyway, Gwen had another uh, deceleration. My nurse was out of the room. I saw it. I stood up. I turned on my oxygen, increased my fluids, laid on my left side. Jesse's breaking out. <laughs> what do we do? What do we do? I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. Nurse comes in. Gwen recovers. It's now morning because we came in at 4 o'clock. So now it's 7 o'clock. Chris Allen, my nurse, I hope she hears this. Mm-hmm. She comes in and she says, Diana. I have to tell you something. I was like, okay, what? She goes, Dr. Mazinski picked up a shift today. Whoa. And I was like, what? So he walks in. He's like, how much longer are you going to make me look at this trip? I'm like, oh, <laughs> cut me. <laughs> so I got my perfect C-section from oh, him. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I went to one of your appointments with you when they did an ultrasound. I remember that. Wasn't that the one that Gwen looked like a Skeletor? Yeah. <laughs> and then he had to reassure us. He's like, don't worry. She's not going to look like this. Like, it's terrifying. I think that was like 16 weeks. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So let's talk about, we're not supposed to say this term because it's 
trademarked or something, Spinning Babies. But we're saying it just because she does something very similar to it. <laughs> I mean, technically you're certified, right? I've taken the course. So she, yes. Yeah. Um, if you guys are pregnant or thinking of ever getting pregnant, you want to find someone that can do this because it's truly so cool. It is. It's really cool. So the way Spinning Babies came about for me was it was 2019. One of my charge nurses just went to this course about body positioning. And now granted before, so I've been practicing labor for since 2014. So it's been five years at this point. Um, you use the peanut ball, which if you don't know what it is, look it up. It's crazy looking. Uh, it looks like Mr. Peanut. So you use a peanut ball. In your vagina? No, I'm sorry. In between your legs. Oh. <laughs> it's like a pillow. Okay. It's like a birthing ball in the shape of Mr. Peanut, and you put it in between your legs. Gotcha. Um, you change the patient's position every two hours. You know, watch the clock. Two hours. Okay, flip her to the other side. Place the peanut ball between her knees again. Two hours. Go back. Flip her to the other side. So on and so forth. And then you push for four hours and you have a baby. Now, second babies go much quicker and third babies are kind of a toss up. But usually for first timers, that's the name of the game. So if you have a first time mom coming in, you're, it's rougher. You know, you're going to have a long night. Mm -hmm. I, I work nights. That's why I say night. Oh, yeah. She's a night shift nurse. <laughs> so Sarah comes and says, we're going to start doing these things, these body position things. And I roll my eyes. I'm like, whatever. It's not going to change anything. Uh, but her babies, she started having these first-timers deliver in record-breaking time from what I've seen and only pushing for a maximum of one hour, not this four hours, which is miserable for everybody. So I started paying attention, and she started teaching me. And then she was wonderful, this charge nurse, Sarah. She got spinning babies for the whole unit to be able to go take an official course. And we did. And the things that I learned changed my whole entire practice. What what hospital is Sarah at in case anybody can go see her? Well, this is really sad. I don't know if I told you this. They shut down Pomerado. They did? The unit, the labor and delivery. Oh. Best labor unit. They June is, I think they're taking their last patient. Wow. So yeah. you would have had to get a new job. I would anyway. have had to get a new job anyway. Yeah. Oh. Well, it worked out. <laughs> okay. So you, you all took the course. So what is it? Like, how does it work? So the American way that we sit, that we do life, you know, sitting in the cars, sitting in our chairs, sitting on the couch, this deep sitting where our hips are lower than our knees, the babies are getting stuck in our tailbones. So they're not upright. And this woman, Gail Tully, did a lot of research to find out that with these positionings, we can get the baby on top of the cervix for, a, first off, a more comfortable pregnancy. So you can start this after 24 weeks. Um, I do recommend you consult your doctor for because there's other things you need to be mindful of if you have a high-risk pregnancy. But you'll have a more comfortable pregnancy because the baby's in the right spot your sciatica can be basically nothing and then during labor these positions put baby on top of the cervix to make the contractions to have the cervix dilate appropriately with the more force of the contraction pushing on the baby in just the right spot 
So I, it's fun now. I have a challenge where I have a patient comes in, she's complaining of back labor. She's feeling all the contractions in her back. Mm. I'm like, okay, I got something for that. Do side lie release. And all of a sudden her back labor now becomes front labor, which is what it's supposed to be. And soon after she has a baby. So it's it's like you push on their belly and try to move the baby around? I Nope, I don't touch their belly. Only to find where the baby's location is. Mm-hmm. I do what's called Leopold's maneuver, where I can tell where the head is, where the bottom is, where the back is. So that helps me guide on what positions I'm going to be doing. But I, so I do tell my patients, I, I try to make a rapport with them and then I ask them, I'm just going to need you to just trust me, please. And side lie release, for example, is I have them all the way on the side of the bed with one leg hanging off. They feel like they're about to fall. I do not let them fall. That is way too much paperwork for me. (laughs) Thanks for laughing. I have really stupid labor jokes. (laughs) Um, But that's one of them. I do get the dad involved because natural oxytocin, seeing your husband helping you with your labor releases a natural oxytocin, which is way stronger than our artificial oxytocin, the Pitocin that we give patients. Mm. So to have them feeling in love really benefits their labor as well. So you have a nurse that's, my hands are on you and there's something magical about human touch, but then also you have your husband there. If there's a doula or a, a grandma to be there, I have them get involved too and Side lie release, yes, they feel like they're about to fall off the bed. Forward lean inversion, I have them where I lower the bottom end of the bed and their head is down, their booties up. These are very compromising positions for my patient and I respect that. But the benefits are astronomical. Hmm. So it's it's a lot of fun. Spinningbabies.com, I encourage everyone to go on to. They can do these exercises at home. There's a lot of YouTubes of people, professionals spinning babies, people showing you how to do it. And then I know a lot of doulas are certified in spinning babies as well. So if you're interested in a doula, go find a doula too. Okay. That's cool. So you can do it at home. You don't necessarily have to hire someone to help you. No, it'd be hard to hurt yourself with these, but also, like the forward lean inversion, you don't do if you have high blood pressure or glaucoma. Side lie release is best if you're laying on a hard surface. When I was helping my friends at home, one of my friends had a concrete coffee table. And we did it on that. Rather than the bed, the bed sinks. And oh. so you don't get as good of a benefit. The bed's better than nothing. So get up but- on your kitchen island. I've kind of done that too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll link the website in the show notes just in case anybody wants to click and learn more. But that's so cool. We're so different. <laughs> to me, it's like right over my head. Like I just, it's a whole different world. <laughs> Here I'm just jazzed on it. I was like, I want to teach everybody. I, <laughs> this changed my world. Well, and then so when you moved out to um, Knoxville, they'd never heard of it, right? They have something a little bit different called bundle birth, which is similar. They just kept saying bundle birth, bundle birth. It sounds like the bundle birth person learned, I don't know what her background is, but learned similar things to spinning babies. Uh, Bundle birth is not trademarked, but, and spinning babies is, 
you know, just moving your body and doing these positions, it's so good for you. Moving during pregnancy, swimming, yoga, walking, Hmm. any of it, anything other than deep couch sitting where your knees are higher than your hips, that is not as good for you as if you were to sit upright with your hips higher than your knees. Hmm. But yes, Knoxville knew some of the bundle birth, but really there's still kind of the mindset of turning the patient every two hours. The more you can get in there, the more you can turn, the more intricate the positions uh, based on where the baby is, not how far dilated, but where the baby is, if the baby's still high in the pelvis or lower, really helps facilitate the labor. Hmm. How cool. What? It's over your head. I can see you glazing over. (laughs) I'm so glazed. (laughs) So, yeah, I do tend to glaze over with pregnancy stuff because I've never really wanted to have kids like ever and then last fall I started feeling like maybe I did want to consider it and so I went off birth control last February I had a copper IUD and then we were just using the flow app and um, condoms which I used to think condoms were so bad (laughs) they're really not that bad maybe they've changed in the last decade but um it was really fine so we were doing that and I just felt better I took the the IUD out because I thought it was causing pain during sex but it was actually it didn't really make a difference with that unfortunately um but I ended up getting pregnant on our first try and I found out in December and I called my sister and I've on my turn. Well, I've never heard you squeal before. <laughs> I call her and she's like, oh my God. And she's like out with friends and family or like, I don't You're know. You're at a five-year-old's birthday party <laughs> at a roller skating rink. And I could barely hear you. And you're like, does Gwen and Maverick want a cousin for Christmas? <laughs> what? <laughs> She's literally squealing. (laughs) And we also didn't wait like 12 weeks to tell people. I told family and best friends like immediately. I was like, I'm not, I think, um, I'm glad I did because if I, well, we'll get into that. But I just never wanted to keep it a secret. And I was also freaked out. And so telling people and having that support was actually really helpful for us. But yeah, (laughs) he squealed. (laughs) I don't think it would ever happen. Same. (laughs) (laughs) And this would be my first biological niece or nephew. Mm -hmm. I, you know, Jesse's brother has kids, but no one on my family has, you know, blood of my blood. Right. Yeah. We have step niece and nephew. So yeah, my, my pregnancy was kind of shitty though, because I was like nauseous the whole time. And then I got really, really bad back pain. When I did finally go to the doctor, that was a whole thing. Like I thought, because I was nine weeks and like two days or something. And I thought I was going to get an ultrasound at that appointment and like maybe even learn the sex. And then they were like, oh no, like we have to wait till 10 weeks. And I was, and then they told me I was obese. And I mean, it was a horrible first experience. And then um, the next week, I ended up miscarrying, and we're probably going to cry. I hated it when you told me that you were starting to spot 
Yeah, so I started spotting like three days after that appointment and they didn't do anything vaginally. Like it was just, I mean, they didn't even look at my stomach. They literally just weighed me, took my blood pressure and then... Called you fat. Called me obese. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I like I started looking for a new doctor after that appointment. Thank God, because I started spotting on that Saturday and it was very light and they told they told me if you start bleeding and you fill up more than a pad in an hour that you need to call us and I was like okay well it's not I'm not filling up a pad so I called my sister who I consider to be more of an expert than most people anyway and she was like okay let's just keep an eye on it I also had sex that morning and we hadn't had sex in a very long time so I assumed maybe like something just it was just from that. And then the next day, it kind of like stopped bleeding. And then the following day, I bled a little bit more. And then you were like, okay, I think you need to call your doctor and just get checked out. And so I, and and, and you, you told I me to I take said, it easy too. I said, no sex. Call your doctor. Like just lay low. Don't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Demand an ultrasound. Oh, yeah, I mean, the ultrasound. Yeah, so I'm taking it easy and trying not to freak out. And I felt fine. Like, everything else, I mean, besides the fact that I could barely walk, but that was, that's not really new for me. You did not take it easy. You went out. No, I didn't. It was a Monday. Oh, that was not the day? When did I go out? Oh, the day. Oh, yeah. Well, that, ugh, I barely went. I mean, I went to lunch. I told you to stay home. Okay. Well, anywho. Get pads. Yeah. So she told me to buy big pads. So I went, I called the doctor, the first one I went to, because I already had set up care with them. And the next one, I didn't have my appointment scheduled until the following week. And um, they, they were like really kind of unresponsive. And they were just like, well, first they didn't respond. And then they like, I got looped around their phone system for a while. And then I kind of gave up. I like messaged the other one on their app and then I called them and they answered right away and they were like okay come tomorrow like we want to see you for an ultrasound so I was like okay I already like the new doctor more and so I went in with Steve the next day for the ultrasound and they did a Doppler yeah a Doppler so they tried to hear for a heartbeat which you wouldn't be able to for a baby that little so the baby at that point would have been 10 weeks in a few days so First, they used a Doppler. They checked for a heartbeat, and then they couldn't find one, and the midwife said that that was normal. So then they did a bedside ultrasound, and not one of the official ones because you need an appointment for that, and apparently it's, like, impossible to get for some reason for my pregnancy, and they couldn't see anything. And then last, they did a vaginal ultrasound, and she poked and, like, went in there probably for, like, 10 minutes trying to find something, and then... She did, and she said that it doesn't look like it's 10 weeks. So she asked me when, like, are we sure that's the day we conceived? And we were 100% sure because I, I knew exactly what day I ovulated. It was the first time I tried. And then she said, okay, well, it looks like your baby's about six weeks. And then it kind of just, like, set in for us. And Steve was standing, like, next to me, and he almost fainted. I didn't realize how emotional it would have been for him but it actually was nice because it lightened the mood a little bit because he's sitting down they're having him breathe they give him apple juice they're putting like cold water on his wrists but um yeah so then they sent me to go and get 
my HCG test. And so I did that. And then, so I, I announced it on my Instagram that day and it was actually really helpful for me because a lot of, I got a lot of support and prayers, but then I also had a lot of people sharing their experiences. And of course I told you, and I think you probably do. It was over at that point, but nobody told me. I was devastated when you told me that. And I was like, this, this baby's probably not viable. Um, so if I didn't tell you that this probably is, you're going to miscarry, then I, I should have. I'm sorry. Well, you told me, I don't think you told me that day, but the next, you were like, you should buy pads just in case. So my HCG test results were going to get back two days later. So I went on a Tuesday and then I was supposed to go back Thursday and take another one. And on Wednesday, I had lunch plans with my friend Lauren, who was actually on the podcast a few episodes back. If you guys want to listen, she owns Sunday Skin, the mitzvah. Before lunch, I called you and I was like, okay, I'm starting to cramp more. And then that's when you told me, okay, go buy the biggest pads you can find buy a heating like pad that you put on your abdomen because you're probably going to cramp. And then you warned me that I'm probably going to see something come out. And then, um, yeah, so I went to lunch with Lauren after that. I changed, I bought underwear at Target. I put in one of those giant pads and I went to lunch because <laughs> you can't sit at home. Like if you're, you know, you're just sitting there waiting. I probably should have, but at lunch I bled so much. I filled up four of these overnight pads, which I've never filled one in my entire life, like of a regular pad. And so obviously, and that was within an hour. So then I freaked myself out and I thought I had to go to the ER. So then Lauren was going to drive me to the ER and I am like texting with you. And then I'm asking Lauren, what are the, what's the ER going to do for me? And Lauren's like, honestly, like maybe pain management and then just monitor you. Like they're not going to do much. And so then I decided I don't want to be, I was also 30 minutes away from my house. And I was like, I don't want to be out. I'd rather be at home for this. It's so incredibly painful. And so she ended up driving me back to my car and she went, She tried to take me home, and I refused. And then I was like, no, I got this. I'm fine. <laughs> I shouldn't. I should have let her drive me. But on the way home, I called you, and then you walked me through basically a miscarriage while I was driving and, like, bleeding out, and I was in so much pain. And you were helping me breathe, and then you taught me about the comb trick where I didn't have a comb in my car, but you basically, like, dig your nails or something into your palm and it distracts you from the other pain. That was really helpful. And you kept, you just kept talking to me and distracting me. That was the worst. I've never witnessed a miscarriage before. And I hate that it happened to my sister because this was supposed to be our baby. I really wanted you to have this baby, but you were so brave and you did a good job. And Steve was wonderful because I was texting him while I'm on the phone with you. And I was like, get this ready for her. And he was great and he was cool and calm and collected. And I'm so glad that you got home. I don't think he knew what to expect. Poor he God. was, yeah, he was freaked out. So I, I got home and it, it was honestly the worst drive of my entire life. It was just... 
you told me it was basically what contractions feel like where like it was ba- i mean you're you are like shedding your uterus lining it was really bad and so i get in the shower i just strip down and i see this giant bloody pad which Steve's never seen before. He grew up with brothers. Like, he doesn't know. God, I didn't think about that. And I'm so embarrassed. I'm, like, mortified. But I didn't even... I was just like, I don't care. I'm getting in the shower. And so I hop in the shower. And I'm, like, rolling around in the shower. And he gave me some drugs that we had. Like, painkillers. And then it just kind of stopped. And that was that. And I continued to bleed for a few days after. But... I'm really grateful for you because if honestly, I don't think if, if you weren't there to talk me through the car ride, I don't think I would have made it home. It was so painful. Well, thank you for calling me. (laughs) Thanks for being available. (laughs) Yeah, that was sad. I don't think I, I don't know if I told you, but I cried a lot after that. It was I was excited. I was telling all the girls at work about just you being pregnant and how I was going to drive to Nashville and be your doula and make sure that you get the best care possible. And I'm still secretly hoping that that didn't scare you away from having kids. (laughs) You don't have to make a decision right now. (laughs) You don't have to make a decision right now. (laughs) Yeah, so that was in mid-January. And... Um, I'm not there yet. So you just got to hang out with Maverick for a weekend. You'll be there. Maverick is Diana's son, and he's like an angel baby. <laughs> he's so sweet. He's well, he's my baby, but he's five and a half now, and he's <laughs> he's such a funny guy. <laughs> he was out in the yard chasing the chicken. <laughs> he grabs one. <laughs> oh, I love him. Um, but yeah, so that was... That was um interesting time. But so it's interesting because after the miscarriage, I went back to San Diego just to like kind of just take a break from reality. And I stayed with my parents and Steve came. We went to Disneyland and just like checked out for a week. And I was just, I was like, because when I was pregnant, I was in so much pain. And I'm like, I saw this mom pick up her kid at Costco. Like, she's probably like nine months pregnant. She picked up her toddler. And I was like, I definitely couldn't do that when I was pregnant. Like, I was in so much pain. And I was 10 weeks along. Like, I was terrified for what my body was going to feel like as time progressed through the pregnancy. And so that's when I decided, okay, I need help. Like, I'm going to go to a functional medicine doctor, figure out what's wrong with my joints because this isn't normal. I'm 35 and I can barely walk. And I'm constantly at the chiropractor and getting acupuncture. And so they told me, I just went last week, and I'm going to do a whole podcast episode about everything they said. But one of the things she said is I have really low progesterone. It's actually lower than my estrogen, which is not good. That's not normal. And so they put me on, is it called bioavailable? Or? Well, they just put it on progesterone, but it's a bioavailable Progest- type of progesterone. So it's not synthetic. It's like, or 
We we don't really know. So what's funny, so my sister's at my house right now and we're standing in the kitchen and I'm telling her about this and she's like, I'm on progesterone. And I was like, oh, they said I have um, Hashimoto's. She's like, I have Hashimoto's. Like we're like the same person <laughs> with all the meds that we're on right now. Like we both have low vitamin D. <laughs> you have to take fish oil. Yeah, we have slow blood. So it was just, it's really funny. But the doctor said having low progesterone is probably why the pregnancy didn't take. And... I thought that was really interesting. So if you guys are considering getting pregnant, you might want to get your everything checked and just know going in because they can they can give you progesterone through the first trimester to make sure that that pregnancy keeps, which is cool. A lot of IVF people have to do that too, just stay on progesterone, hmm. at least for the first trimester. Why do you think so many people are having to do IVF and like unable to get pregnant? Do you have a reason why you believe? You're smiling because you think it's the COVID vaccine. No, not COVID. I think it's Gardasil. Oh, Gardasil, the Gardasil vaccine. So I was too old for it. I got it. I yeah, I didn't get it. But I've been noticing that just right under my age. So I'm 39. I'm turning 40 this year. Right under my age range, like 38 year olds lower. Well, when I was younger, so yeah, whatever age I was, lower, mm -hmm. they were having a hard time getting pregnant. And people our age should not have a hard time getting pregnant. And I remember like the Gardasil is now being, in, at least in California, is being forced upon all the children. Even boys. Yeah. Which it's is a weird. joke. It's a cervical, well, I guess it's an HPV that can cause cervical cancer, but... So would you rather have cervical cancer or never be able to conceive? <laughs> well, plus what else is it doing? Right. I don't know. This is new age Diana thinking. But I think a lot of us are with new age Diana after COVID. <laughs> I just think it really opened a lot of people's eyes to what are, what have we been doing? Like if this is how fast they're pushing vaccines through approval processes, like, well, shit. <laughs> I remember... Talking to one of my friends, her daughter was 14, about to be 15, and in order for her to be able to go to school the next year, she had to get the Gardasil vaccine. And my friend was asking me, she's like, what do you think about this? And I said, it's still so new. It's like less than 20 years old. We don't know the long-term effects. I would try to find a way around it. Mm -hmm. And that was in like 2019. It's because the Gardasil vaccine and that whole mindset for myself around it why I didn't jump on board for the COVID vaccine even though I work in healthcare and it's being forced mm -hmm. and you know all the health it's I mean they scared the crap out of us you know if you don't get this vaccine you're going to die do you want to put your friends and family at risk are you going to take this home to your children because you walked through the hospital every single time you come to work past COVID patients and you're going to contract it and you're going to give it to your kids and they're going to die. But it's because of that conversation with the Gardasil vaccine that I was like, I just don't trust new vaccines. I want history mm -hmm. behind it. So I'm grateful for the Gardasil vaccine because otherwise, I don't know, I might've been silly enough to get the COVID vaccine. Wow. That's actually, because you were very pro-vax 
Like oh, for you sure. would like fight with people over it, which always surprised me. <laughs> well, I wasn't as I, I'm I'm definitely a different person today. Mm-hmm. Um But I didn't realize it started with the Gardasil. So you think that Gardasil is what's the I don't know. Yeah. I mean I think it's highly suspicious that we didn't have such infertility issues in older generations, but now my generation and younger is having huge. And what's what's different? Well, the one thing I could put my finger on at that point was the Gardasil vaccine. Now I have a whole laundry list of things that could also be a factor. The things that we eat, the water we're drinking, mm-hmm. what they're putting in air. Like just There's a whole bunch of things that have me just quirking an eyebrow at. Yeah, I'm with you there. It's it's shocking once you actually learn about all of it. It's overwhelming. It's very overwhelming. I like when people post things like, you don't have to be perfect. It's okay if you go to Taco Bell. Like, you're not going to die. Because I think it's really important to, like, that shift, you have to do it in moderation Otherwise, you're going to drive yourself nuts trying to be the perfect, clean, organic, everything. Crunchy. Yeah. So I call I call myself scrunchy. I just heard that term. <laughs> I said, yes, it's perfect. We're sort, sort of, of crunchy. crunchy. Yes. <laughs> but I, it is perfect. And I think that it's a much healthier mindset because it's like you could drive yourself nuts every time you go out to eat. Is the water filtered? Are they filtering the fluoride out of the water? I mean, you will literally go crazy. You'll never want to leave your house, your house with the whole water filtration system that you've installed (laughs) and the shungite stones to block the radiation from the 5G. I mean, (laughs) the list goes on and on, but I'm so I think that this is a really long episode. I'm going to wrap this one up and then we're going to do a part two with Diana. And so we're going to talk about the move from California, how your kids did and just fun sister stuff. So if you guys love Diana as much as I do, then follow me on my podcast on here. Leave a comment or a review. It's really helpful for me. And we will see you guys next week. Thank you so much for having me and listening to all my crazy stories. (laughs) No, they're really interesting. And I know like, while I was pregnant, I learned that a lot of my audience has kids, (laughs) which is something we've never been able to relate through. And so... I'm sure a lot of them will actually really love this episode. It's it's eye-opening how different California and Tennessee, especially with children, is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here. You're Part welcome. two coming soon. Thank you so much for listening to Life with Lauren. If you enjoyed this podcast or it brought you any kind of value, I would absolutely love if you could leave me a positive rating and review. It means so much to me and it helps get the word out about the show. You can also find me on Instagram at lauren.arrow and I will talk to you next week.